Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is TV Take, Variety's television podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. This week, senior TV critic Daniel D'Addario talks with Terrell Alvin McCraney, creator of the own drama David Makes Man. Stay tuned. All right, so Terrell Alvin McCraney, thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, yeah, for sure. So I wanted to get started by asking how this project found you. As someone with a background in playwriting, uh, had you wanted to write for TV or were you approached? That's an interesting question. I think um, at some point um, after writing the brother-sister plays, um, you know, sort of quietly before we even launched Moonlight, I, I television started to change. You know, I, I was a long fan of TV, a long fan of um, shows like Carol Burnett. And from Carol Burnett to, you know, Archie Bunker, I was, uh, or All in the Family. I, I, I loved, I grew up on television. I found that it, it could be a place for real art. And, um, and then we, you know, we sort of hit a mark starting with uh, The Wire and Sopranos, Sopranos uh, predating The Wire, where sort of television shifted. HBO sort of helped usher in a a moment where we looked at television even more um, closely as a place where we could uh, tell narrative stories, or sometimes not even narrative stories, but um, tell stories, engage stories in very creative ways. Um, And so, you know, I wanted to work at HBO. I went to HBO and I said, hey, is there anything I could um, do or, or work on. I had classmates like Sarah Treem who mm-hmm. uh, uh, created and, and, write, and wrote for The Affair um, who had gone on to great success in television and I just thought, well, maybe I can you know, get on a show or write a show. Um, but this show in particular, the show David Makes Man, is something that was in my mind for a long time and I couldn't figure out how to talk about it. I mean, I knew it wasn't a play. Plays are normally... Uh, in my mind, I, I know it's a play when it has a beginning, middle, end. Like, I know the ending. Um, and the and the arc of it is centered around an event. There's something that happens, and I just want to talk about that one thing. Um, and, you know, the character of David, I, I wanted to... There were moments I wanted to investigate that I had no sort of uh, final, finality to, to what he was doing. And there were, they were the effects of which were still um, being played out in my life current. So I couldn't sort of bow them. They needed to be uh, uh, in a series. And either I was going to create a, a bunch of ballets around it or I was going to create a television show. Um, and so um, I met Mike Kelly and Melissa Loy, um, who, you know, over the three or four years, four, four, three or four years of uh, beforehand, really uh, engaged me and um what it was like to write for television and 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 loved this idea for a television show and we we began to put it together then you know um the sort of centrifugal force of the idea um roped in uh Michael B Jordan 
mm-hmm. and uh, a, a lovely a lovely mentor named uh, Oprah Winfrey, and and now we're here. I'm struck uh, by just the volume of playwrights whom you follow into uh, into making television. Mm-hmm. The pipeline is a real thing, mm-hmm. and yet the media, as you say, are so different. There is such a difference between writing a play, which is a beginning-to-end discrete experience, and writing an open-ended television series that we hope could go any number of seasons. Do you have an idea for where David would be in you know, I don't want to give a number, but some number of seasons from now, do you have a plan or are you discovering it as you go? I mean, I definitely, there's definitely a plan, you know, for at least three seasons. Um, you know, and the gods know how that will work out or not. Um, but I think the reason why you see so many playwrights engage in this way is because there are sometimes characters and people who, um, you know, the portrait can t- needs to be refined all, all often. We need to see the portrait, the, the framing, cha- turned on its head so many ways. I, I mean, take uh, Roland Jones and uh, Friday Night Lights and the way in which that show shifted. I mean, there's a playwright who can create something like Jenny Chow, which is a very, you know, uh, discreet moment and in the theater, a portrait of, of a person um, battling with agoraphobia, and who who builds a way for them to connect with the outer world. And here is a whole landscape of people who are engaging um, in, you know, America's favorite pastime and how they rally together and also fall together. Um, It's very, it's difficult to sort of put a cap on on those uh, experiences. And so I think a lot of writers gravitate to series in this way because it allows us to continue to open up and and keep the aperture, um, the camera, as as it were, on, you know, life as it, as it as it continues to happen, even when it's in the past. Well, and the moment that you're looking at is one that is especially rife with kind of development and change because it's uh, the moment in boyhood as it's on the precipice of manhood. David, mm-hmm. as the title suggests, is a boy who is rapidly kind of becoming a man with all the attendant responsibilities that implies. And... It's a theme that obviously has been a part of your work before. Uh, and I wonder, as the uh, playwright of uh, In Moonlight, Black, uh, Black Boys Look Blue, uh, and uh, the screenwriter of uh, the film Moonlight, um, what keeps you returning to these themes of kind of like young men uh, kind of coming into their own and figuring out what it means to be an adult? It's interesting. I mean, you just listed two. I can list about four more moments where I've done the same. Choir Boy you know, too, Choir right? Choir Boy. Yeah. Uh, even Wig Out, a uh, play about drag queens and drag houses uh, in Miami, is about, you know, it's still a coming-of-age story. It's when a, they're, uh, a, a cisgendered uh, man falls in love with a, um, a trans woman, and the moment the moment that person decides to transition and that and that that man decides that they don't know how to handle that i mean they they still are fairly young people in the world um i think you know one of the things that is really important to me or really interesting to me i shouldn't say important it, but it's interesting to me um you know that i I spent a lot of again i spent a lot of time watching tv so i didn't get to see all of john hughes's canon on screen 
Um, I was I, I was a kid. I was a latchkey kid, so I came home and watched HBO, whatever was on TV. And so I saw the Sixteen Candles. I saw the you know all of the movies that were about Chicago, the Ferris Bueller's Day Out. Mm-hmm. All of the movies about Chicago um, and young people. Uh, again on the precipice of responsibility and being asked to uh be adults before they they should be or sometimes or or being asked to be adults when they should be but aren't aren't prepared to be um and it's a great canon of work that often we return to and and talk about as a a a really in-depth look at that world in time and so for me i just there the landscape if if we were to say if i was to say that moonlight is the quintessential understanding of how a queer person a queer black man in miami comes of age i would be wrong and lie right it it is one way um and if i stop there what i'm doing is limiting um the humanity of all the people who fall under that umbrella i mean even uh and i say this all the time about david makes man um folks are sort of you know obviously comparing they're in south florida they're both around the same age um uh, or they start around the same age uh but the the world of homestead is completely different than the world of uh liberty city mm-hmm. um just as the world of uh the loop in chicago is completely different than the south southwest suburbs um it, they they're connected they have similar identities, but the you know the the students who are in you know in those high schools on the precipice of Chicago, thinking about the city over there and really dealing with those suburban issues, are dealing with something completely different. Being bused twenty five you know thirty minutes to school every morning is different than you know walking to your corner school. Um, and those and those experiences uh, have resonance, especially uh, when you are you know coming from a poor neighborhood and going to this magnet program that it's being lauded in a way that's very specific. It's not a part of the community that you're in. And, um, there's, there's a, there are lessons being learned in that. There are messages being taught. There's conditioning that's happening. Um, and that's important to me. Um, and again, hopefully it'll be important to other folks. Um, and you know, if it's not, I understand completely. Well, I think, I think as you point out a really crucial difference that I was hoping to get the chance to talk about is that, in David Makes Man, there is this code switching going on that doesn't happen in Moonlight in the same way, because Chiron, the protagonist of Moonlight, is kind of in this this world of Liberty City that is fairly a world unto itself. Yep. Whereas David is being bused to this kind of magnet school that, you know, it's just a very different world. The other students are vastly more privileged than is he uh, and and come from very different kind of upbringings than he does. And so it kind of puts him in the situation like he literally goes by different names in the different (laughs) environments, uh, which I thought was a very kind of like clever way to put that point across very, very quickly. Um, Is that kind of concept of code switching something you relate to like from your upbringing? And is it even something that you relate to now working in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know. Yes. That's just the swift. The only way to answer that is the swiftly and yes. Um, and I think you know that that is exactly right. I think when Barry uh, filmed Moonlight, we specifically he specifically wanted to capture what that world was, which is a very it was a very tight world of Liberty City. Um, we we didn't see a lot of uh, white people. I think ba- barely any, if I recall. Oh, correctly. in the film, yeah. not yeah. at all. No, but I no. meant like growing up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like growing up, we grew. Barry and I grew up three blocks away from each other, um, and you know, you 
you saw white people when you left the neighborhood. Like there was, and if you did see a white person in the neighborhood, that was cause for like concern and not concern necessarily like they, you know, they're do you're, you're going to be harmed or going to harm them. It's just like, what, what does it mean now? Like you're here for a reason. What is that reason? Um, but you couldn't be here just because you live around the corner because that's just not the world we, we grew up in. Um, and that was completely different than when I was in Homestead, when I was literally on a border. So the border that David goes to school, he walks across uh, a border line from uh, from Homestead Village um, into uh, the Redlands, which is uh, a, a white southern farming neighborhood um, that has built this border so that they keep the project folks away from the white folks. And that that level of proximity is completely different. Um, it's more akin to something we would find in New Orleans and uh, 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 than you would in in, say, Florida. And I think those again, the, the 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 lessons in that, the thinking in that, the code switching, the the just double consciousness that that one engages um, is imp- is important to me and happens to young folks in David's situation. I'm curious. Uh, I want to go back to something you said earlier when you mentioned that at the beginning of your career you had been interested in shows that aired on HBO and in working with HBO, and you find yourself now in this era of a million cable outlets and streaming outlets working with own Mm -hmm. what uh oprah winfrey has meant to you as kind of a mentor figure and what it means that this is on that this very specific show is not on hbo but is on a network that's kind of suffused with her vision i mean it's interesting when we when we first started talking about the show own wasn't taking on sort of you know stories like this at the time they weren't taking they were you know there was a specific guideline of what the network was doing and then luckily for us um that changed you know oprah opened up an avenue for narrative with queen sugar and um began to really look for stories and so what's happened and what you know is a blessing to me is that uh i could feel very easily uh in other places other networks being the only in the room again um, it was sort of like feeling like David all over again. You sort of are being bused to this place where you are the only one who looks like you and speaks like you and um, and telling a story that could easily be, you know, looked at as the, um, you know, again, the quintessential understanding of what uh, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old in that situation is doing, experiencing. Um, and, you know, with, with the opening up of uh, narrative, and and fiction and and drama and comedy on the network we get a chance to be a part of a deeper conversation about community about healing about um about th- about issues that are very specific to community um and it doesn't stop anyone else from watching it but it does allow us to be next to so it's a, you know it's kind of impossible for you you know um oh i think who what what show do we come after on um, on Wednesdays, Queen Sugar. It's impossible to sort of go, you know, uh, here's Queen Sugar and here's David Makes Man. Those are the same thing. It's no, like, no, they're, they're, they're quite different. They're night yeah. and day different. And that's what we want. We want you to be able to see, like, the life of the of that wonderful family um, and the life of this wonderful family and that they're completely different and yet they they share the same, you know, skin tone and color. Um, and, 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 and those are different experiences and are, and are under the umbrella of this network. Um, and I think that's that was very important to me um, 
I hope it's important. I mean, I think it's important to to Oprah, but I don't like to speak for Oprah, so you should ask her. Yes. Um. um but I, it was very important to me that 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 be a part of the vision for this show. Um, that we were celebrated right along with other amazing pieces of work um, that celebrate Black life. I think that's I think that's absolutely true, and I also think it's interesting because it's hard to think of a show on another network that's about the inner life of a young person in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't think of an HBO show, for instance, that took the concerns of a 14-year-old. The shows you cited, I mean, The Wire had great, vivid kid characters, mm-hmm. to be sure, but, like, in general, it's a pretty risk t- risky thing to have a show this closely focused on a young person. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that you need to be with a, a partner that is willing to take a few risks. For sure, for sure. And I think, and, and you know, I think, you know, it's... To be fair to HBO, they have they do have a show that looks at the interiority of of, of a young person's life um, with Euphoria. Oh gosh, um, yes, and um, and that person is a person of color as well, which is you know an interesting an interesting look. And I think again, it it's great that that show is there. But one of the things that keeps happening when I when I talk about that show with folks is that they keep going, yeah, that that one show that they've got about these young people who are, who look like that. You know, it, they they keep going. That's they keep trying to make it. Um, what's the the word that's kindest? They keep trying to make it only that single experience, uh-huh. right? Like, oh, that's just that. We can kind of dismiss it because that that's a fictionalized work there. Whereas, you know, it, it's interesting to me that if you know you watch um, uh, Michael West and uh, and Blue Borderline and uh, David Young and uh, his brother, you can see, you get to see again, folks from different worlds where in which the, the, the lexicon is rich, the vocabulary is rich and you can, and you can say, sure, that's just their experience. But then you can also go and quickly see another experience right, right in front of you. You can't, you don't have to marginalize that to that one person's experience. So that's that, that dealing with drug addiction is only in that show. It's like, no, there's a world where that exists and that we must count that into it and it, and it can play in conversations with. I mean, I know a lot of parents who are like, please tell me that's not what, you know, my young people's life is like. And I, and I go, that's a version of it. Um, and it'd be great. And it's great that it's great that I think a lot of networks are having a way or having a moment where they can explore how, how many versions of that. I mean, we, we keep worrying about the future and yet we don't invest in it. That's really, it's really challenging in, in, in our, in our society is that we, we, we worry about the future. We don't invest in young folk. We don't invest in their stories. We don't invest in things that are important and, and, uh, challenging for them. And then we do the same thing on the opposite spectrum with, uh, with our elderly. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't, we don't invest in what's important to them. We don't, we don't, we don't tell their stories. It's all about eighteen to forty-nine. Yeah, and then there's some, there's some, there's something strange about that because, because again, and this is not a critique of you, of you, because you use the exact word that everybody uses when they talk about uh, a show about a young person. Risk. It's risky to tell. And I'm thinking to myself, well, who would you want to focus on if you're trying to figure out who the next voters are? If you're in a political climate where you're 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 nervous about how people vote, 
Who would you be focused on? Are you get, if you're focused on the people who are 35 already, they already made their decision of how they vote. They're they, baked in. They've been the saying they've been yeah, voting yeah. since they were 18, yeah. right? So yeah. you know what I mean. Like they, there's a sort of way. So you need. So you need, the focus has to sort of. You have to get concerned about and, and invest in um, uh, the the people who are are going to be your next leaders in the next three four years. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting to me that that that's the word we. I mean, again, not just you. Every everybody we pitched the show to was like, "It's risky to do a show about fourteen year olds," and I'm like, it "Sure is," except that we need to know what's going on in their world and, and engage them as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, we you know we're we're. I think I think uh, I I've led or tried to lead a charge of being deeply invested in how these seeds grow, um, how seeds with David and, and and people like David grow, and what and what that means for our future, and what that means for future work, um, in terms of you know being being a, the best human being we can be. If we're all trying to live our best lives, we got to see where we stopped doing that. I want to get at kind of dig a little deeper on one aspect of what you're talking about, which is the aspect of kind of people coming up kind of represent the future and people our age are already kind of locked into the people we're going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the many irons you have in the fire is as a professor of playwriting. Mm -hmm. uh, And I wonder what, what there and what else in your work do you hope that you can do to kind of bring up and uplift a generation of writers after you? And what do you see in them as contributors to the arts? Well, um, you know, most times, and I, and I say this to my students, so I don't think they will mind. Most times I, I, I let them know that I can't teach them talent. Like I, they, they have it. There's no way for me to give it to them or take it away from them. I'm not, you know, I'm not so terrible a professor that I can, uh, undo what <laughs> they yeah, yeah exactly so you know I feel I feel pretty good about that that's a good starting place um, and my role hopefully is to show them you know the current industry practices however problematic they may be um, and help them engage them but also f- help them find ways to innovate and when I say f- help them find ways to innovate I really mean that move enough structure and um uh, pedagogy around so that they find ways to make uh, art in a way that's very specific to them, um, that's very important to them, that is connected to you know um, their spiritual, personal, and political hopes, and um, and I think by doing that, that's uh, that's how we get new forms, that's how we get new methodologies, that's how we get uh, new look, new aspects of what we want our world to look like. Um, and so because I'm, you know, because I'm the 40 year old or near 40 year old in the room, it's important for me not to sort of go, no, you got to do it this way. It's important for me to go, here's how it's been done. What would you like to do? Um, and this, actually, the same is very true for, um, you know, the young actors we work with here on the show. I, I feel very, it's very important for me to, to show them what, we're doing the structure of what we're doing and and i ask them all the time what what do you what are your thoughts how what are ways in which we can engage this and there have been moments where you know they found the voice to say on set you know can we do this again and can we do it this way and we've done it and it's actually worked out to the better um and i think that empowerment is 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 necessary you have to let young folk uh younger 
earlier generation, earlier career folk um, feel like they're empowered. Yeah, and as you say, you also you help them feel that they're empowered, but you also give them, I think, a framework of understanding, as you say, how it's usually done. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that over the course of your career, which you've accomplished a great deal, but you've had to push against a fairly rigid system that was yet more rigid when, say, you were first writing uh, the play that became the film Moonlight than it is even now. So it must... There must be a little bit of perhaps frustration in trying to fit your vision within strictures or are the strictures the thing that make things work. Yes. I mean, you, you, there is no, there, you know, as an artist, there is no frustration. There is no, there, there is all, there is always some frustration in creating the work. I mean, you have to, in order to, um, in order to find the right frame. I mean, fitting, again, if, if you're doing a, a, a snapshot of life and you put, it, you, you put it up in the museum, the museum has, you know, certain lighting, they, they close at certain times, you may not be able to open, you know, may not be able to display in the way you'd like it to next to the thing you'd like it to. The framing of it uh, might, might be off, the mat might be counter to what you need, but you find ways to, to put it up. And I think... Um, less i i less uh focus on the moments in which i had frustrations with my students specifically but with younger folks in general again the young cast that we have here i less focus on the things that frustrated me and show them the ways in which i was invited but then uh but then um not and what i mean by that is sometimes people will, will will pretend that you're getting a seat at the table when in truth you're being uh tokenized um, and so there's a lot of sometimes, sometimes yeses feel like, uh, the best thing in the world, but they're actually a restriction all in, all in themselves. Um, they're, they're making you the voice of, you know, you're the one black that came in that day. <laughs> you're the one queer person, queer story that's being told that day. And you have to now arbiter, hold that space. Expect, exa- yes. Well, just, yeah. but hold that space in a specific way yeah. or, or things won't work out. Um, and that still happens. That that is that is still current. You know, you can go around and see it. people go. Oh, yeah, we did our one. You know, thing that is that is. You know, it's February, so we're doing that one thing that is very important to Black people or to minorities or to, and you know, a, and that can 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 destroy your work because you then start writing for that small area that you've been given rather than the the expanse of your imagination. So it's very important that young people understand that that they can be set they can be you know uh yesed into uh into frustrating circumstances but just to just to close things out, I feel as though with David makes man, the vision is so expansive and so clearly not meant as part of like to be used tokenistically but instead as part of like a wider and broader vision of yours that I feel like it must feel in a way pretty liberating to look ahead and to see what comes ahead in this story. Oh, for sure. For sure. We, we, we've gotten lucky. You know, we're at a place that, that uh, sees the vision and uh, is holding the way forward. So hopefully that'll stay, that'll remain the way. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing more episodes. Terrell Alvin McCraney, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Bruce Miller of The Handmaid's Tale. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.